Welcome to Soberholic, a podcast about Christian recovery, where each week we explore topics that can free you from bondage and strengthen your relationship with God, others, and yourself. Now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Man, today has been a beautiful day outside. And you know, I guess it's just spring in the air. The pollen's kind of gone. And I'm excited about it, you know, because I'm a flip-flop guy. You like flip-flops? <laughs> I like uh, Chacos. I'm a Chaco guy. I had the same pair of Chacos for 15 years, and then they finally gave out on me last year. I like chocolate. Is that the same thing? <laughs> Not the same thing. <laughs> well, you, you know, with me and my feet, they like my feet are horrible. Like, because <laughs> they look I, bad. Oh, they're they're real bad. You gotta lean over and take a look at them. It's it's like taste this horrible thing, and you have to taste it. (laughs) I just looked. I just told you they were horrible. You looked over here to look at them. It's true. It makes me think of a story with the first time this ever happened to me. Like my wife would always like make fun of me because it's hard for me to bend down and touch my toes. I've never been flexible, but then my stomach too is like I have to take a deep breath and like. And go down, you know, to try to clip one and come back up. It's just hard. It don't work well. So I was like, let's go to the, um, what do you call a pedicure? I mean, we got a pedicure done. And I've never done it before. And we went down the street. My wife, she went in. She's like, I'm going to get my nails done, but I'll kind of help you out. We go into this place, and it's, I guess it's an Asian place. Most everybody there was Asian of some sort. And... And I don't do well with broken English to begin with. And she had already kind of warned me that, you know, they're kind of hard to understand sometimes. But if you'll just put your phone up like you're doing something on it, they won't bother you. So that was first important note. Yeah. Always remember that. I'm giving you that right now. That's for free. I'm not even going to charge you for that. You need that. And so I, I didn't think a whole lot about it, but I went in and I thought she had kind of handled, handled everything there at the counter when she said, my husband needs a pedicure. But that's not the end of the story because <laughs> as you go on in, they give you like a pamphlet of different pedicures you can get, like with a massage on your calf and the sugar scrub and a salt scrub and, a, <laughs> and of course, your toenail polish you can get. We didn't go there, thank God. But it, it, they gave me all these options, and she was trying to tell me this, but I could not understand her. And so I kind of panicked, and I just pointed to one. Well, it was the most expensive one. It was like $85 (laughs) to get my toes fixed up, right? Probably needed it. But this is where the story turns, and it's bad. Because as I was sitting there in a chair, this little lady, her name was Rose, bless her heart. Poor little Rose. (laughs) (laughs) She came up, and she was nice as she could be, but she started talking, and I couldn't understand her, right? So, again, I I went to my phone real quick. Why, I felt me out on that when I started scrolling after after we talked a little bit, and I just acted like it was going on because I I didn't know know what else to do. My nails are really thick, and I know our listeners are are just so great, really wanting to hear about this. (laughs) But this poor, poor lady... She was trying to cut them with the fingernail cutters, and she couldn't do it. <laughs> it just didn't work. And see, she reached down to her basket of tools, and she pulled out like a pair of side cutters. Like, men know them as dykes. Like, they will cut through anything. Oh, wow. And she started wearing them things, my toenails out, right? But she got to my, my big toe, and she clipped it. And a part of the nail like shot out and slapped her in the side of the face. 
the second time she went to cut it, she started shaking her head like back and forth, left and right, like, oh, like she knew it was fixing to come. Anyways, it was a it was a horrible, horrible story. Um, that and poor Rose may have to have stitches after it. I don't know, but it, it was bad. I was bleeding, she was bleeding, it was all bad. Have you got a pedicure since? I have actually. I have. It's so much better because I can't reach my toes. It's it's hard to get mm. down there. I just don't know if I could ever go to that level of getting a pedicure. So what I hear you saying is that Rose, she got the right tool for the job, and she was finally able to cut your grossly over overly thick toenail. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. I know you love that segue, Roger. That uh, we're going to be we're going to be talking about some of the tools that we use in recovery. Nobody else could have done that. A segue from toenails to a four step. We, we're always having to dig each other out of ditches in this podcast, as I'm sure our listeners can well, attest to. She had to, to. dig an ingrown toenail out. So. <laughs> But we have a toolbox in recovery, and, you know, if we don't use it, then it's no good to us. But before we do, let's share the exciting news with our listeners. Hey, Soberholics. We hope you're enjoying the show. We've gotten some great feedback from y'all, but we need more. If you go to iTunes and leave us a review, a written review, it helps others find the show. And if you do this for us by May 31st, you'll receive a free copy of Roger's ebook, Soberholic 12 Steps Later. Make sure to email soberholicpodcast at gmail.com to let us know that you left the review so that we can send you the ebook. In fact, you can pause the show right now and go do that. I give you permission. Man, we've got so much to cover in today's episode. And so I think we can start with where we left off from our last show, um, and that's with step four. And step four says we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. The scripture that goes along with that is, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord, Lamentations 340. And this is one of those steps that if you've been around the steps, people just get gun shy, man. I've seen so many people stop right here. It's like the boogeyman of the steps. And it wasn't that bad for me. Was it it for you? It wasn't for me because I had not been around long enough to know that it was like the boogeyman of the steps. And so it wasn't hyped up to me. My sponsor was my first sponsor when I first worked the, the, the first time, the four step. He didn't build it up or anything. He just, he was like, yeah, this is what you do. And it was just really not a big deal. He didn't make it a big deal. And so that helped a lot. I hear people all the time come in and begin working these steps, and they get to this point and they they just quit. And for me, this is kind of the point where, for me personally, I made it through the first three steps kind of on my own. I believe that's just something you do inwardly. We talked a little bit about that right. last week, but when I came to four, I was like, I don't really know how to do this, and it forced me to get a sponsor. And that's where I finally saw that I really need a sponsor. People have been telling me that for a long time, but I never really asked for a sponsor till I got here because I had no other choice. Yeah, and, and and you definitely want a sponsor, you know, for all of it, but especially from here on out. Um, you know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm just going to listen to this podcast, and that's like working the steps. 
then we we strongly suggest that you don't do that. And if you're interested in working the steps, that you 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 do you do so through either Celebrate Recovery or an, another fellowship and do it with a sponsor, because there are so many landmines along the steps, especially with four and five and eight and nine, and 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 the steps are also they're in order for a reason. You know, uh, there was a few times where I I would get sober on my own. And I would want to go straight to making amends to people, you know, like four days sober, still didn't have a job, didn't have nothing. And I'd be trying to to apologize to people and, you know, nobody would want, want to hear it at that point. That's why amends are later on, you know, after you've gotten some of that wreckage out, out of your life and, and when you've been restored to to some level of sanity, you know, by the time you get to, you know, the later steps where you have amends. People can tell, you know, they can they can look in your eyes and they can tell that you've 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 been, you know, working and you've been making progress. And there's a, there's a great point to be made there because the steps are not like maybe like a meditation, like you read it and go, hmm, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did that step. Move on to the next one. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people kind of do that, and I didn't fall into that trap. But I've known many who have. And so when we talk about these, as you said, just hearing us talk about them is not working the steps. We're, we want to be very clear with that. But we want to kind of give you an idea, an overall idea of what maybe to expect and, and maybe relieve yourself from knowing that the fourth step, per se, is not the boogeyman. It's not no. as bad as it as people sometimes make it out to be. No. So if we're going to do this with a sponsor, um, which is our suggested advice, then if we're going to take a searching and fearless moral inventory, the sponsor helps us do this in a lot of ways because it's easy to kind of, you know, maybe when, when we're taking this inventory, as any business would do, you're going to be looking at good things and bad things in your life. And, and you see what's bad and maybe needs to be taken off the shelves that's no longer any good. My sponsor helped me see some of those things because as I began to do an inventory in my life, some of them closets of my heart and my soul, I didn't really want to look all the way in. I, I kind of wanted to crack the door and take a peek, you know, and go, eh, that's pretty bad there. Shut that, get on the next thing. That was the hard part about my inventory because I had to see myself for what I really was. And I had blamed people my whole life for different things and I had to begin taking some responsibility for those things. Without a sponsor showing me and guiding me through that, it would have been very difficult to really take an honest inventory of myself. Right. And what helped me with the four-step, one of the most helpful things was putting it on paper. Now, I've shared, I, I know you know this, but I used to keep extensive, crazy journals and... So I would actually, during my addiction, I would actually write stuff in my journals and I would like lie in my journals. <laughs> like, I don't know. You lie to yourself, huh? I don't know who I was lying to. I was like maybe thinking if if I died, somebody would read it and they would think better of me. I don't really know. And so when I got to this this part of the steps and was having to put on paper um you know, the things of my past and, and the resentments that I had 
and um, take an inventory uh, of the things that how I played my part in in, in those resentments and, and taking an honest look at all that stuff, all the wreckage of the past, you know, it really helped me to distinguish what was true and what was what was false in my past, because a lot of things in my past that I had built up in my mind, once I started putting some of that stuff on paper, I realized pretty quickly that like that never even happened. That was all just some tiny little thing that somebody said to me 10 years ago. And then my insane mind just blew it into this whole conspiracy theory that wasn't even true. And so putting writing the my four step down on paper helped me to really figure out what was what actually had happened, you know, what was true and what was false. And so we're talking about putting it on paper. And I guess one way to look at that is there there's different ways of doing this, especially if you're doing it through maybe your secular programs like AA or NA versus um, CR, uh, Celebrate Recovery, they kind of have a worksheet that goes through with it. And I know in CR, the way I I saw it done and the way I've I've showed sponsees to do it is it's kind of a worksheet to put it down so you can kind of work through your thoughts and your emotions and the things that had happened to you in the past. And one way they, they start that is with the person's. Uh, the the people who have hurt you, right? That's a pretty easy list to make. Oh yeah, most people probably have a top five they could just rattle off instantly. You know, the, I mean, I know I don't anymore since I've I've worked those st- I've worked the four step several times since I've been sober now. So my my list stays pretty pretty empty. But your your average person that's never worked the 12 steps probably has four or five people that they could just rattle off immediately. I laugh a lot of times with, with my sponsees about that because in the CR material, there's like a little workbook and there's one little page inside the workbook to fill all this out. I said, I don't even worry about that. Get you a notebook, maybe a three subject thick one yeah. because you're going to be doing a lot of writing here because you want to do it thoroughly here you right. want to put it all in there everything you and if you even had to ask yourself the question should i write this person in there then yeah you should write that yeah. person in there and i even it, it goes further than just people for me although in that particular worksheet it, it says the people but i think institutions is a great thing to add there oh, yeah. Like for my my story, I I, I blame blame the military for a long time. What had happened to my hand, me losing my hand, and it wasn't until later that I saw that I played a part in that. And it took a sponsor to help me see that. If I would have done a four step by myself, I would have never seen my part in that. Right, and then you could you could put institutions could be churches. You know, I know a lot of people have a resentment of a church from 25 years ago that some pastor there did them wrong. And of course, none of those people are in those in that church anymore. And, you know, but institutions definitely don't want to leave those out. My first sponsor was actually had a resentment against the IRS and he had <laughs> not paid some taxes and he owed a big check and he had the money to pay, but he was really resentful that he had to pay the money. And it took his sponsor telling him, look, Pay them, pay them their money. That's all they want is their money. Maybe I need to work a new four step with you. You just, <laughs> you just brought a new one up to me. <laughs> well, it definitely made his list. But the second column is we, because it's easier for me to just go ahead and make a list of all these people, institutions, 
and just a long list. Don't think of any further. Just it's almost like I'm going to vent here on paper, and I'm going to write down everybody. This is my chance to get it all out. What's yeah. going on? And that, this is where I think people start seeing it is the boogeyman because then we got to go and say, okay, well maybe not yet, but we're going to get that to a second. The second part of that would be the cause. Why did they do this to you? So usually, like you say, this four or five people just straight to the front of your mind, you you quickly know why they made you mad, why you're resentful towards them, or whatever the case may be. What's going on in you to make you be angry towards them? Yeah, how they hurt you, you know, what what action was it, how they did you wrong, you know, did they hurt you emotionally, physically, you know, what they what they actually did to you that caused you pain or suffering. And then it goes into the other part. If you're kind of following along, like in columns here, what effect did that have on your body, you know, on your person? You know, did it cause you to be fearful? Did it cause you to change, you know, the image you had of yourself? Did it cause you to not trust people anymore? Yeah, your relationships with others. Yeah, that that's that's a. Um, that's usually that one is usually pretty fairly easy to identify those things too, but it's the next one which I think you're about to talk about, which is what part did I play in building the resentment in in that resentment that I have against that person? That one is the tough one to look at, and why I think so many people have a hard time with the four step. For me, going back to the whole story about the military, just a good opportunity to finish telling you the story there. I lost my hand, you know, there in the service, and I blamed them for protocol that had happened. They didn't have a good way of checking the equipment we were using. But the the night before, I had gotten drunk and I was smoking pot the day off, and my sponsor said, "Maybe you wouldn't have blew your hand off if you wasn't drunk and high." That's a hard pill to swallow uh, because you had to own up to that, or I had to own up to that. And when he first told me, it was like, and I got mad, you know, don't don't you say, because I believed this other lie for so long. But then it was like, ah, you're right. And it's crazy because it's so easy for you to see it now, but it wasn't then. Oh, no, no. You didn't want to see it. That's a good point. Maybe even in the back of my mind, I knew that maybe I played a part in that, but it was easier just to blame somebody else. That's been my story for most of my life. And even in recovery, it's easier to blame someone else. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, things that once I started working the steps, you know, looking back on them, you know, it went from, you know, it was this person's fault or that person's fault, or it was because I got fired from this job or this person did me wrong. And then after working through the steps, I was like, no, that was all my fault. That was all just 100% my fault. And, you know, it, it, it was a heavy load to, to bear, but having a sponsor there with me to help me and to talk me and guide me through that was essential. And I'm so grateful for a sponsor who loved me enough to come come alongside me and show me those things. Because I've sponsored guys, and it's not easy to point that out to somebody because they've they've believed the lie sometimes for decades. And for you to say, no, no, I think that this is what you did, that's a hard thing for anybody to come alongside and say that 
but he loved me enough to say those things to me. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm forever 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 grateful um, grateful for him. He's passed away now, but I was able to speak at his funeral and just talk about great things that this man did to me because he sowed into my life, and because of him, I've been able to sow into other people. And it's just a great benefit of the whole idea of what we do in the steps. But I think it's important for us to pause for for a minute to talk about that there are some instances that maybe you didn't do anything. There is no your part there. And probably the biggest one that I see a lot is maybe you were sexually molested when you was a child or, or abused when you was a child. And of course there was, there was no way that you did anything to deserve that. Right. And, and part of our steps have even re, be written, rewritten and celebrate recovery. I don't know if the other programs do that or not and i know that kind of gets out of my realm because I, I i have not myself experienced that but i do know there's many who have and so i, I don't want if if if, any, if anyone's ever dealt with that in their life to continue to think that they did something to maybe um deserve that because i hear that a lot yeah i mean not every resentment that you have you played a part in there are instances where you you played no part and you were totally innocent again great reason to have a sponsor because sometimes i just had to have him tell me you know just point blank did i do something here and the more i've been through my steps because i didn't just do one four step i've done this many times but as you said earlier because of a good tenth step i don't have to do a four step so long but I, I sometimes don't do a good 10th step, so it, it, it builds up on me. And I, I keep having to go revisit this baggage that I carry around with me. And I, I've had to have a sponsor just simply tell me, yeah, yeah, you, you played a part in that. And this, yeah. this is how you did it. It's, tr- it's, it's one of the best pictures of, of tough love, you know, um, that, that I've ever seen because – if you just have a good buddy, you know, and you tell your buddy, hey, you know, if you ever see me do something, hold me accountable or, you know, or, you know, if you see some way in my life that I could be doing something better, please tell me. It's just not the same as a sponsor sponsor relationship because with a sponsor and sponsor relationship, it's intentional. Like you're meeting together to work on a four step and so it's easier for the sponsor to say, hey, look, you played a part in this. You did wrong in this. You know, it, it's just it's a I don't know. It's I think from a, from a Christian discipleship um, perspective, it's easier if you're, you know, if you have a sponsor or if you have a sponsee, you've given them that authority like an official in an official capacity for them to speak into your life even if it hurts that old sponsor i talk about a lot i've seen that everybody have their own school of thought on how to pick a sponsor this guy that i asked to be my first sponsor he was a complete jerk i mean <laughs> he, he was a jerk there was no other way to say it i mean he opened up um the book the first time i was there it was the blank page on the very front <laughs> he said this is what you know about staying sober yeah. and this was the stories it always i mean he referred to me as idiot number one 
because that's what he called his policies. And and he he wasn't like being a he was being a jerk, but he did it out of love, and it's just kind of his way of joking with me and stuff. But um, I, I know everybody kind of maybe not accept that as a sponsor in the first like most people want a more gentle loving type sponsor i don't know that's not who i wanted i need someone who was gonna be just honest brutally honest brutally and he was so you know just because you go looking for a sponsor don't mean you have to find the jerk in the room and you certainly don't want someone to just cuddle you and say oh it's gonna be okay because you need someone to challenge you when you're doing this because we're talking about a, a searching and fearless moral inventory. Now, when we talk about fearless, I don't, I don't think that it means that you, you may not be afraid to look at some things. I think that what it's saying is we need to step through the pain, through the fear, and just be real with ourselves. Because some of this stuff, when you're going years back into the past, looking at some of the most painful things in your life, I mean, it's, it is not fun. You know, there was things that, um, you know, working through my, my first four step, especially, which was the most extensive, um, you know, it, it was, it brought back some painful memories of things that I had been trying to forget for years, but, but couldn't. Some of them criminal. Right. Yeah. Some of them, some of those. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's a real deal. I've yeah. talked to many people who like, I've never told anybody this because I'm not going to go to prison for it. Right. But those are the things you got to get rid of. And you got to have someone that you can trust to share those things with. And that's also essential with picking a, a sponsor is, you know, picking somebody that you really trust and that, you know, has done it before. You don't want to pick somebody who's never carried somebody through the 12 steps or or is not familiar with the 12 steps, but is at least work all the way through them, you know, themselves. So would you say uh, if... I know the answer to this, but I'm trying to see what you would say here. Is if if I was going to do the steps, uh, maybe I'm starting my fourth step, and we're talking about making this journal and this ledger of people and causes and effects and my part. How would you start? I mean, is this something you just do one morning with coffee, or is this how long would can you expect to take? Give me some insight. I mean, I think the first time I did mine, I, I did it in a weekend. I mean, it it was a couple couple day thing, and I was done with it. I mean, it didn't really take me long because I had been thinking about all that stuff for years and years. Like it wasn't hard to recall, really, because it was just. I mean, I it was so deeply ingrained in me all the resentments and and things that I had against people and different institutions or whatever. It was there. I think the hardest part for most people and where they drag their feet is just getting started. Once I started writing, that part went really fast. And so, you know, and then setting, giving yourself a deadline, you know, I think my sponsor gave me a deadline. He said, we're going to meet, you're going to start your first four step and we're going to meet in two weeks and, and read it all. I can't remember exactly what he what the deadline was, but he gave me a deadline to be finished by. And, and you're a very self motivated guy. Now you probably wasn't when you started doing this for the first time because you're still kind of foggy in that area of your recovery. You know, a few months clean. 
but I do know that a lot of people kind of just drag their feet on this. Like, yeah, I worked on it a little bit. No, you didn't. Yeah. You, you didn't really. Because you, you could sit down easily at a weekend and do this. Now, there will be other things that come up as you go on down your road to recovery. Oh, I, I didn't even remember this person you may have bumped into at the mall and what happened there. Oh, sure. That, that definitely happens. That's happened to me several times where, you know, just the nature of drug and alcohol addiction for me and you, which is what, you know, we, we struggled with. You know, you you forget a lot of things or you weren't aware of a lot of things when you're in active addiction. And so, you know, years later, you're, you're, you'll remember something, you know, that you that happened to you or that, that you did and that you played a part in and you'll have to go and, and, and do that. But the main thing is just doing the best that you can to the best of your ability and as thoroughly as you can at the time. Taking some action. Right. Well, I think it's a good time to kind of talk about um, or make our way over into the fifth step here, which says we admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And the scripture is really good here. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, we, we talk, uh, we've talked a lot about sponsors here, um, but we're getting to this point now. I think this may be really the harder part for people to follow through than the fourth step, in my own opinion. I think people kind of fall off in the fourth step, but it's because they're afraid of the fifth step, is my own opinion. We're beginning to see some stuff within us that we didn't ever like. So now we're admitting to ourselves, right, that this is what's going on. I think most of us are, are pretty good at admitting to God what's going on. You know, even if you're not a believer at this point, you will admit outside of yourself that something's going on. When you're laying there, you're like, yeah, um, I've got these things going on in my life. Right. But to sit down and talk to someone else about my problems and tell them what's going on, these are my shortcomings, this is what's happening in my life. That's terrifying. That's mortifying for a lot of our people. Yeah, I remember the first time when the fifth step was explained to me. Hey, you, you know, you com- you confess your deepest, darkest secret—the thing that you've never told anybody in your whole life that you're the most ashamed of. You tell that to somebody, and I was like, "No, I'm okay." You know, <laughs> I don't. I mean, why? What good is that going to do? You know, I'll, but but like but like you said, I was okay with admitting it to God. You know, because I knew, I don't know. I guess the the fact that when there's another human being sitting right across from you, looking you in the eyes in the flesh, you're afraid of that judgment that you're gonna get if you tell them your your deepest darkest sin or your deepest darkest secret. And I, I really didn't believe in the fifth step when, you know, when I was leading up to it. The the fourth step was much easier for me. Um, I was all, the writing part was not hard for me, but the, the fifth step was definitely hard. And the amazing thing that I found is, you know, my sponsor was walking me through it. He was like, look, I'll tell you mine. And so he told me my, he told me his and, you know, it really put me at ease. I was like, wow, okay, that's really bad, you know? And so, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I didn't, that kind of came out wrong, but, you know, I was like, that's not good, you know? And so, 
the fact that he was willing to share with me and be honest with me, it made me want to be vulnerable and honest with him. And so I told him, you know, what, what mine was and the amount of relief that I felt was, it was instantaneous, you know, it was something I'd never told anybody in my life. And, um, and what, what's interesting about the Vistep is I've, I've since had like three other sponsors since then. And I remember the second sponsor I had, I was like, well, I don't, I mean, I already told my first sponsor, I don't really need to tell anybody else, you know, but I ended up just telling them all, you know, because I was like, it's not going to hurt me to tell, you know, those things to, to, to them. And it didn't, you know, and again, you know, having somebody that you trust as your sponsor is crucial here. I've sat down with sponsees before and to do a fifth step and they'll go, well, I said, you know, if you got your, you know, as we, before we get to this point, I said, have you got your four step done? Yeah. And maybe they'll answer, I'll answer questions as we get there. We sit down for a, a time and a date that we we're actually going to go through this and talk about this fifth step. And so uh, I'll ask, you know, so um, what you got wrote down over there? Let's get started here. Oh, I didn't write down. I just, I, I remember it. And like, no, no, this is not the way we're going to do this because, if you look at the fourth step, there there's there's a reason we write it down. And one is that when we put pen to paper, it loses its power. I can't explain that to you, but if you begin doing it, it's, it's the reason journaling so encouraged, that when you write those things down, it becomes more freeing. For me, when I wrote all that stuff down, when it came time to share with my sponsor, there was no fear. There really was no fear for me. Uh, maybe I'm the unique one out of the bunch, but I was ready to talk to him about it. It couldn't be worse than all the other stuff he had been telling me, you know, because this was the jerk sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he'd been telling me uh, every time I would challenge him, you know, why I got to write it down? Well, don't write, don't, don't write it, Roger. Just go drink some more whiskey if that's what you'd rather do. Yeah. And it was those type questions like, I can't challenge this guy. Right. But I trusted him because he was sober and I wasn't. And I wanted what he had. And that's what made me like him so much and made me trust him so much. He had never gave me a reason not to believe that he was sincere with me. He may have been a little harsh with me at times, but I needed it at that point in my life. So we look at being honest with ourselves and that was hard enough for a sponsor to show me those things. And I, I really didn't learn that until my sponsor pointed that out in the fifth step. We talked about that a lot in the fourth step, but he didn't really point that out to me until my fifth step when we began talking about it. So a lot of those blanks of my part was empty because I had no part until I began talking to him one-on-one through each conversation. He'd go, eh, what about this? You know, what about that? And would challenge my thinking on it. And I was like, yeah, maybe, yeah, I guess you are right. I didn't really look at it that way. Did yours end like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, there were so many different things that, you know, working the the steps with different sponsors even um, has been helpful. They, They see things that you don't see, you know, because, you know, they're not just, you know, when it's you examining your own life, you know, you you want to think the best about yourself most of the time, 
or the way you remember some of the things of your past, you know, you, you might remember them either worse than they really were or better than they were really, you know, actually were. But your sponsor is there to help you, you know, discern what the truth was, what your part in it was, you know. Uh, it's just so helpful having somebody to guide you through that. And, you know, what I find interesting with the fifth step also is the scripture that goes along with it says that confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may uh, be healed. You know, God offers us forgiveness. You know, there's numerous scriptures that, you know, say God is is, is um, faithful and, ju- and just and he will He'll, he he will forgive your sins if you just if you just ask for the forgiveness. But I think it's interesting that it says confess your sins to each other, that you may be healed. And so I, I get out of that verse that there's there's a healing power in confessing our sins to each other, that's different than God forgiving us of that sin. <laughs> Christians, listen, 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 God will forgive your sins. He has forgiven your sins if you've asked for forgiveness. This is the the stumbling block I see for so many people in the church today that, oh, I don't need to tell nobody else because God's forgiven me. I don't I don't argue that with you today. But what I am arguing is the fact that if you're looking for healing in your life, and you are, or you wouldn't be listening to a, a sober-holic <laughs> podcast, okay, is that you're looking for something different, then you need to find someone to confess these things to. And as Jason kind of hit on earlier, it's important to have someone who's kind of worked these steps rather than just grabbing your Sunday school teacher and saying, hey, I've got to confess this. You know, if you're if you're working through these whole this whole process, then it's it's easier for someone to kind of lead you through here who's been there before. Now, I, I'm not challenging. I mean, th- these are biblical principles that was way before any twelve step program. Right. So I'm not saying that it can't be done that way. But if if you're trying to work this in a twelve step manner, it's easier to work it with someone who's worked through the twelve steps. Is what I'm trying to say. Right, and and if there is something that you're holding on to that you've never confessed, you know, we we both just want you to know that you don't have to keep on holding on to that. Um, you know, the the power of sin to weigh us down and enslave us is is incredible. And if you would just let that go and confess that to to, to another fellow believer and ask God's forgiveness, you'll be amazed at how well. That you can you you will be able to experience you know a relationship and a renewed, fresh relationship with the Father. And that leads us to our sixth and seventh step, which says we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. The verse with that one says, "Humble, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up." James four ten. And step seven says we were humbly. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I need some motivation. Uh, Seven says, We humbly ask Him to remove all of our shortcomings. Scripture is, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. So that's not a tall order at all. We are ready for God to remove all of our defects of character. Easy, huh? That's my problem is because you missed the keyword entirely ready. (laughs) And I... I don't know. I've just I've never been entirely ready to remove all of these things. And so to say I've ever done this 
I would be lying. Oh yeah, no. The the both of these steps, even more so than the maintenance steps that we'll get to later on, are just this is you just work them till you die. You know, you're always as soon as you have one character defect, kind of kind of you know subdued a little bit, you'll have a new one pop up somewhere. Or that's the way it is for me. And I think that's also, you know, why this is a good picture of the Christian life and and becoming more like Christ is because, you know, with sin, you know, you'll get one where you're free from it. You know, you're 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 not committing it anymore. And then you'll have a new sin pop up in your life and you'll have to deal with that. You're always dealing with it. Well, this is, to me, the picture of sanctification we talk a lot about, is that we want to remove all of these things, anything that's a stumbling block. But but what is character defects? Well, here's a list of a few. Self-pity, self-justification, self-importance, which is egotistical, uh, self-condemnation, uh, guilt would be a good way of saying that, lying, dishonesty, impatient, hate, jealousy, envy, envy lazy, insincerity, the list goes on and on and on. I think any of our listeners could relate to some of these things. But if when I first started my steps, the very first time when I worked these on drugs and alcohol, these were none of the things that I talked about. <laughs> Those, and what, I don't know why I think that's funny, but I do. Because you can relate. Right, yeah. And that's the great thing in recovery is that we, that's the reason I still go to meetings today is because I see someone else worse than me and go, well, I don't want to go back there. And that's kind of bad to say that, but it's there's a truth in that because when I got sober, I knew the drugs and the alcohol was the problem. And that was just not the problem. That was a symptom of these other problems that were going on behind the scenes. And when I dug into my steps and I began doing this inventory and I began sharing these with my sponsor and I saw these character defects, I began seeing the roots of my problems. And I think that's what we see. Yeah. And for me, you know, the the trap I always fall into is like what you were talking about. I want to compare myself to others all the time with my character defects. I want to look at my character defects and I want to look at somebody else's character defects and I want to do one of two things. I want to either think, well, theirs are so much worse than mine to make myself feel better about myself. Or I want to look at theirs and go, man, they have it all together and my character defects are terrible. And you know, it's so easy to, to compare, and the same thing with sin. You know, I think sin and character defects, I think you can just interchange those words in of these course. steps. And so whenever I compare myself to others, you know, it's so easy to fall in that trap of either wanting to use, you know, the other person's sin to justify mine, to think that mine's better, or, or vice versa. And, but the, the hard part about this step is where it says all, remove all these defects of character. And I think this is kind of something we talked about when we were talking about uh, trusting God in our episode a few episodes back. Like, it's just not something that we'll, we'll ever be able to do on this side of eternity. 
I think it's written just in a way to make me fail personally because I look at it and I'm a, I'm a, or you and I both, or we're checklist type guys. I want to know that I've done this and I've completed this step. And this is just one of those I've just never completed. In fact, this month will be 15 years of sobriety from drugs and alcohol for wow. me. But I can't tell you that I've accomplished this. I've gotten better. There's been times that I've wanted to give other things over, but as quick as I've given some of them over, I've picked some of those old ones back up. Now, fortunately, I hadn't had to pick up the drugs and alcohol as a way to uh, medicate through all of that. But it's it's hard, and and the struggle's not like it was when I was doing drugs, but it is still difficult at times to say that I'm really ready to, to work on these things in my life. So I want everyone listening to know that it's about progress, not perfection, when we're doing these things. Thank goodness. Yeah, and last week we talked about there was only one step that you had to do 100%, and that was the first step. You got to remember who you are and what's going on, that your life's power, um, that, that you're powerless and your life is, uh, is unmanageable. If not, you'll try to take control of it again. And as you're doing these steps and kind of taking this inventory and you're sharing it with other people and you begin to see the roots of what you're going through, what's maybe causing the the hurt habit or hang up you're dealing with, that there's there's hope that you can make it through even the difficult parts here. Right. And all the steps that we've dealt with up until this point have all been, you know, with your relationship, you know, within yourself and with God. And the the next two steps, steps eight and nine that we'll look at next week are directly related to your relationships and hopefully the the restoration of your relationships with others as we look to making amends. And so until then, I think that's going to wrap our show up. Don't you think, Roger? I think so. You know, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing off. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.